0: Welcome back to another edition of the Wine Marking Podcast. I'm your host, Rusty Pepper, and sitting alongside me once again is John Bailey.
1: Hi, Rusty. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm
0: ready. It's Friday. Uh, exactly. Of course, are, of course whenever but somebody's going to listen to this, we don't know when, but happy Friday <laughs> if it's a Friday that you're listening to it. Since we're going to be talking gyms and the holidays coming up, when's the last time you hit the gym, John?
1: Uh, 5 a.m. this morning. Actually, I'm, I'm one of these, uh, maybe warped people. I've been doing this honestly since high school and I've never stopped. It's, it's, it's now at this age turned to more of a health execution versus you know, ego execution when I was in my twenties. But, uh, no, I, I actually hit it six days a week and take one day off.
0: Good for you. So you're a gym guy.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So I am as well.
0: And fortunately, I'm actually a member of the gym whose CMO we have on today. It's called Jim. Uh, we've got Dave Reisman joining us. So uh, why don't we go ahead and welcome him into the show? Welcome, Great. Dave.
2: Guys, thanks for having me. And John, you're making me feel like an underachiever, man. I, I, <laughs> I got to be honest. I have not been to the gym this week. This is kind of our crazy time planning for January. So when you go tomorrow, do a couple reps for me if you don't mind.
1: That's why, you know what, that's why I do the 5 a.m. thing. is as, as hard as it is for the feet to hit the floor some days, once they do, you know, then I'm done. 6, 6, 6 15, yep. I'm done. So
2: you to wake up and get it do done, get it out of the way. I'm, a, I'm,
0: I'm a morning guy myself. So that's the only way I can do it. I don't know how these guys can do it at lunchtime or after work. I'm, I'm like, no way. Exactly.
2: Yeah, it's, it is nice. I, I, I'm gonna, that's my resolution. And, and yes, even being in the gym industry, we still make resolutions. And one of mine is to actually become a morning guy. Somehow I'm going to do it. I, I, I don't know, John, I'll probably be coming to you for tips, but it's going to happen. Get a big alarm clock. Yeah, get two and set, set them just you know about five feet apart.
0: I used to have to put mine across the room when I was younger, so I would force me to get up to go turn it off. And then I was out. once I was up, it was easy. Now, now you get to a certain age, it's like you don't even need the alarm; just
2: you just wake up. So, yeah, repetition.
0: Well, good. Well, hey, Dave, thanks for joining us. I've been really excited to have you on. As I mentioned, I'm actually a member of Gold's Gym, and I can't wait to kind of talk to you more about what you are doing there uh, and what's coming down the road. Because I know you all have got a lot of exciting things that are kind of percolating, especially within this crazy industry that you're in. Before we do that, would you just mind? Kind of walking us through your background and how you got to become the CMO at Gold
2: Yeah, yeah, you bet. So um, I think, like a lot of marketers, I started out on the agency side. And I feel, like, I feel like if there's two things that help you the most in marketing, it's A, working on the agency side, and B, waiting tables. And it's just, you know, the multitasking, the being able to kind of, you know, quickly switch from, one scenario, one account, one client, one table to the next is has been such a huge kind of help, really on all fronts. But so on the agency side, and had a multitude of accounts, everything from a casino account to a pet insurance account to uh, a recycling account, and we landed the Gold's Gym business. This is out in California, and gold became what's that expression? You really shouldn't have a favorite baby, but Gold was my favorite baby. It was kind of that perfect intersection of just passion, um, where your passion meets skill set. So after a couple of years, the CEO said, look, would you consider coming in house? We'll create a new position. Of course, I said absolutely when and where. Um, The caveat was they were moving the company to Texas, which growing up in Jersey, living in LA, I kind of thought everyone down here drove like the long white cars with the horns on the front and whatnot. But I said you know what I'd probably move to Alaska for goals. Um, I'm kidding by the way I'd probably pause on Alaska but Texas I figured all right not much to lose and I love the brand and so uh, came in and I also was very fortunate to be working for an agency that um, you know was really supportive in the move. Came down and uh, jumped right in. It was it was a new position and look, I had some great mentors and the one thing I think during my tenure and as I kind of continue to grow within the organization was there is so much passion behind this brand. Like fitness itself is such an emotional thing. Going in, whether you're transforming yourself, whether you're getting fit after a pregnancy, whether you're trying to get off diabetes medication or, or look good for the, for the beach, there's an emotion to this business that, that, doesn't exist in a lot of other industries. On top of that, the Gold's Gym brand is, there's just something special about it. It's an iconic brand, been around for 55 years, and it, look, we don't do marketing in uh, Afghanistan. We don't do marketing in Japan, where we now have one of our largest franchisees, yet we have demand, we have fans, we have customers there. So as I kind of stepped in, I was always, Number one, just kind of in awe of the brand, but always fascinated about the emotional connections and you know how do you build those emotional connections with your customers, with your members? How do you create them? How do you turn? How, how do how do people both organically and through marketing become kind of rabid fans of of the brand? So you know that was a, an obsession of mine. And the other thing really was, look, it's such a relationship driven business, and I I would argue in this day of automation, in this day of technology, that relationships are still so mission critical, and in our world, we have a couple different customers. We have the members, but we also have franchisees, we have team members, and there's a saying in our industry, people don't quit relationships, they quit gyms, meaning if I know you, if I know something about you, I come in, you're, you're working out down in Austin, Rusty, look, how, how's the workout going? How was your trip? Great to see you again. Just those sorts of relationships, which again, nowadays are, are a lot less commonplace than you think are kind of what made the Gold's Gym brand uh, go around. And so moving up, you know, the, 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 the other thing that I really started to kind of gravitate towards was, look, how do you evolve for reasons which we can talk about? And I think anyone who shopped gym membership knows this industry has gotten unbelievably competitive quickly and there's been disruption on all fronts. And there's that old Jack Welsh quote, what is it? You know, if the rate of change outside the building exceeds the rate of change inside the engineer. And, you know, we have found ourselves at that point a couple times and went through a huge brand evolution a few years ago. Um, but all that to say, kind of came up through several roles, had several great mentors. In 2017, my mentor, uh, CMO at the time went on to pursue a lifelong passion and they gave me the interim interim role and said, look, uh, this is yours to run with. I had a great team in place and in 2018 they made it official.
1: You talked about uh, kind of the evolution and how it's changed a little bit. When, When I was in the durable side of the business, the equipment side of the business, there were some players that are no longer in existence now and now there's some new players. Um, the one that I always kind of found fascinating, I don't even know if they're a threat or you can uh, competitive, but there's the franchise model now of these 24 hours that open up in, not 24 hour fitness, 24 hour uh, shops that you can yeah. stop in. They're in a strip mall and you can go in nonstop. They're unserviced, unmanned. There's, it's just basically a gigantic home gym, but I see them popping up everywhere. You know, And I live in yeah. Knoxville, Tennessee, and it's, the population's not that big. And I, I think I can spit at three of them from my house. So is that a threat? Yeah. Are they, you know, is, is it just another opportunity? Because, and I don't mean to be long winded, but I also know when I was in the, on the fitness side is I'd love to sell a treadmill to somebody who had a gym membership because typically they'd buy a $5,000 treadmill from me and it was a great coat hanger in their bedroom, but they would still get. <laughs> so, um, you know, I know people want multiple options as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, so, you know, we went from a, a, a world not too long ago where maybe there were five or six players. We all essentially kind of offered the same type of amenities. We all had a, a similar price point. Um, and you fast forward 10 years, you know, on our left flank, you have the what we call the high volume, low price competitors, the planet fitnesses of the world who are 9.99. dollars uh, You know, John, to your point, they're a smaller footprint. The economics are different and they're able to really just, you know, crank away on on price, on volume, on getting people in. And they've, to their credit, they've done a fantastic job. There's a huge market for that. And they're now, what's interesting is they're now actually having competition within that low price space. You have kind of the mid-tier players like us uh, at Gold's Gym. And then you've had on our right flank, the disruption from the boutiques. So everything from the Orange theories to the Crossfits to the flywheels, uh, even from the mom and pops and now more recently digital disruption. So, you know, to your question about, look, is how, how are the both the price point players, the strip mall players affecting us and all the rest. What it's made us do is up our game and actually have to, we went through a huge brand evolution a few years ago uh, because I, I always feel one of the biggest jobs that any marketer and marketing team has to do is be able to answer the question, "What makes you different?" From the CEO all the way down to the front desk level, if someone's coming in in January and they're shopping for a, a gym membership and they visited the 20 other places around the block, how can we answer that question in a consistent way, and how can we do it in a way that separates us from the competition? So we went through a whole exercise not uh, not long ago where we looked at our value proposition, our experience, who were we, who who could we authentically be, which is important because when you're doing evolution, as you guys know, it's gotta be authentic. And we put a stake in the ground around service, personalization, expertise, the brand's been around for 55 years. We did a brand overhaul and, and made a decision not to compete on price. Look, not only are we not set up to compete on that philosophically, we just think that's a race to the bottom. And the reality is, our differentiation is because where the strip malls don't have a lot of people servicing them. You're kind of, and this is not a knock, you're kind of renting a treadmill. Instead of it having it being a door hanger, which you know, I think we've all had a few of those. It kind of comes back to what I said about relationships. Our advantage and what we need to lean in on is the fact that we do have staff. We do have front desks, we do have personal trainers, group exercise instructors, staff that not only can help on the acquisition side, but keeping the members you have and marketing as passionately to your members as you do your prospects, That is that was a philosophical shift for us and that's how we're competing in this new age.
0: It's definitely something that I've seen being a member of Jim. jim probably in the last year, a change even in the way that they're interacting with us, which is great. Yeah. I'm getting more digital communication. I just saw like a rewards program that came through, you know, saying sign up for it. There's something coming up next year. Come get these little teasers. That's a good thing because I also get a lot of emails and reach out from other gyms, but I got zero reason to make a change. I'm happy with where I'm at. That
2: um, that speaks to kind of one of the biggest philosophical shifts that we made as part of this you a know, part of the, the, the brand evolution was the actual branding and, and the customer experience. Part of it was a, a philosophical evolution and one of the big ones and my CFOs head exploded every time I would say this, but it's sales is the emptiest metric on your dashboard. In this age of experience that we live in, if the only relationship that you have with your customer is a transaction, then a hundred percent of your customers are at risk. And and especially in the gym business where there's always going to be someone cheaper, a shinier object. So used to be kind of the old days. It was all right, how many leads can you drive? What's the lowest cost per lead? Let's completely focus on, on acquisition. And we paid lip service things like engagement and retention, but we're now looking, you know, Rusty, you you mentioned it at how do we onboard people the right way? So we give them, Uh, We personalize the experience because everyone has a different fitness journey. How do we track and measure engagement? You know, how are we looking at how many people have checked in within the past 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, because we don't want people to fall off and how can we create an engagement dashboard so we can look, okay, who's downloaded the app? Who's followed us on Facebook? Who's left a review? How can we acknowledge behavior to your point around kind of a, rewards and recognition which all leads to improving attrition um, and then how do we turn passionate members into advocates who can help us not only refer friends which is one of our biggest source of leads but also bring the goldsham experience to life that's been a big one it was tough initially but you know working across the the c team and we have a great c team here and by the way I always say like I feel like there needs to be a foreign exchange program like There needs to be a foreign exchange program between the CIO and the CMO, between the CFO and the CMO. And while we haven't kind of formally done that, like we go stay at each other's houses, we we have worked collaboratively together because the reality is if you're building a brand new experience, if it's not being paid off at ops, if it's not being paid off in the club, then it's gonna be empty lip service. And we've gone as far, just to put a, a bullet point on it, as even changing our employee compensation around engagement and retention. So now that they're not just motivated to sell, compensation is also around what's your net promoter score, what how are we doing on a customer service perspective.
1: I was gonna suggest the uh, next guest should be your CFO to talk about marketing because I don't think I've ever heard anybody in a financial C-suite position say that sales is not your number one priority. <laughs> so that's fantastic.
2: Yeah, if you can get them, um, try the board of directors. That was not an easy conversation to have. A a lot of, uh, not blank stares, but um, it's like, well, this is gonna go really well, or this is gonna go really horribly. But luckily, look, I think with everything that's happening in, in the industry, we're fortunate that we had passion, alignment around it. I think the last thing, too, that I would say, which became another big metric for us, is employee satisfaction. Again, in this age of experience, these are the folks who are on the front lines of delivering this experience. and. Their happiness, their satisfaction is mission critical because they're the ones that are going to ask you, you know, John, Rusty, how you doing? How's your workout? So those kind of became some of the new metrics on the KPI dashboard. I would agree. When you look at your frontline folks, those are the people that I associate
0: with, with that gym, right? Because those are the people that I know. Job About 700, I think, locations or more yeah. across six continents. Keeping everybody on the same page with what that culture and what the feel is. It's a challenge. And I know looking back at your background, you came up through the communications and PR channel. I think yep. that has, how much of an advantage do you feel like that's helped you with as a CMO, having that background?
2: I think it has from the standpoint that ultimately everything as a brand, how are you communicating in an emotional relevant way to all of your stakeholders, right? So your customers, your, your franchisees. and and understanding the nuances in that. And what's interesting too, is the lines have blurred so much now between really all the disciplines, right? I mean, between brand, between communications, between, I mean, you you really, everything kind of has to work in collaboration, right? It's kind of the the new trendy buzzword, the omni-channel, but the reality is, is that it all comes down to effective communication to your prospects and your members, but also, to your point about how do you kind of move 700 locations simultaneously and maintain a consistent experience, really it's through over-communication.
0: Can't communicate enough. In most instances, it's like, you need to have that. And I think people now expect that.
2: Yeah. And I think too, you know, communication, and this was another big thing. It has to be a two-way street. So a lot of times communication for us is listening. And for us, voice of consumer, everything starts with the consumer. And, and I say consumer, customer as well, but consumer. I mean, we, we do a lot of research on speaking to people who have never belonged to a gold Gym, people who formerly belonged to gold Gym, trying to understand why they left, folks that are members of competitive gyms, or, and to get an understanding of how can we, what can we do better? How can we fix things in real time? We have Medallia which allows our uh, employees in real time to improve our net promoter and our customer scores. Because one of the things I will tell you that has been a consistent going all the way back to the beginning of time, no matter how fancy the gym is, you win on the basics. And every research study that we've ever done in terms of why consumers join or leave a gym, top two boxes, friendliness, cleanliness, service, without a doubt. And all the, all the fancy equipment or the latest bells and whistles, you can't even get to those if you don't do the basics, right?
1: You know, I'm curious on, you know, we're talking about communication and the customers I'm curious on the normal customer journey. And I'm gonna speculate that the industry hasn't changed that much, that there's a huge influx uh, right after the holidays because people do the normal resolutions. And I guess in a good way in your business, the fact that we are living in an obese society and people unfortunately are getting unhealthier all the time might work to your, your advantage, at least in this business, so they can get healthy. But I came from, at one point, the entertainment industry and we dealt with the customer journey a lot because we had a lot of repeat business that would come to our concerts. So can you walk us through kind of that customer journey of, you know, once somebody's interested, what's the next step? How often do you communicate to them? To, you know, once they're in, what's that communication trail once they're in?
2: No, absolutely. And, and you know, one of the things, again, going back to kind of the, some of the philosophical changes that we made and shifting to being kind of customer or in our world member obsessed was also a shift in the way that we looked at our customers. And, you know, Russia, kn- I know you and I spoke about this before, but there used to be this idea, we'd have kind of agencies come in and present, like, here's your best customer. And they'd come in and there'd be kind of, you know, some stats, well, your best customer is between the ages of 35 and 55, and they're 57% female, and they're the in median income, and you'd sit there and you say, where? Like, who? Uh, Because the reality is, look, even here in in, in Dallas, we have a a gym in in Uptown, which is a very young urban area. The product is a little bit older. Frankly, it's one of our older products. Again, younger demographic. Compare that with 10 miles up the street in Richardson, which is in Bed Bath & Beyond Country, where we've got, it's a newer product. We've got studio offerings. The demographic's different. Not only are the is our target audience within a five-mile radius around those gyms radically different, the product itself is different. And so to answer your question, we we kind of took a step back and said, wait a minute, we have probably multiple best customers and we have to understand who they are, how to speak with them, and how to personalize the experience to them from the time they raise their hand as a prospect all the way through the full member journey. Because the reality is the days of a one-size-fits-all message where you just put something up and say we're gold and here's all of our amenities and here's the buffet, come in and and pick one are are, are gone, right? I mean, people are are shopping and and uh, there's an expectation that you know a little bit about them. So look, we've made investments on the marketing stack side. We uh, invested in Salesforce to do some marketing automation. We, again, with great alignment from our our partners on the operations side, in the C-suite and the tech side, We've changed how we onboard members through a combination of tech and touch and what the first 21 days looks like that's mission critical. And then, you know, starting at the top end of the funnel, we do a combination of first party data and and third party data to say, okay, who are our best PT customers? Who are our best group exercise customers? You know, append that with Facebook's data, Amazon's data, and be able to dynamically target and, and present dynamic creative. So if someone, off of search intent, they're searching for weight loss or group exercise. Instead of saying, hey, here's gold and everything we have to offer, we can actually hit them in a way that says, hey, we we understand you, what you're looking for. Here's some creative and offer that speaks to what you need. And then as they come in, having that data at the ready that our sales folks can talk to it, and then having a plan that onboards them in a way that's relevant. So again, if their goal is to lose weight or, or maybe to train for a 5K, we're onboarding them through a combination of tech and touch and content and recognition and checking in on them in a way that makes them feel like it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. So I know that there's a, a lot in there, but philosophically, that's where we are. It's a continuous work in progress. As you guys know, you're never done, but it's helped us get a lot more efficient.
0: How much do these additional services play into the prospects converting into customers? Cause you have all these other services, you know, I pay for yeah. a basic gym membership, but you also have the boot camps, gold's fit pro shop with swag, uh, a little health bar where they make smoothies, Gatorade and protein bars, that childcare, you have all these other elements the opportunity to sell and get basically more revenue through the doors. What is
2: that? Yeah. Yeah, it's um look it's it's an important part of the experience uh, on the programming side the, the boot camps the, the gold studio which is kind of our enhanced kind of boutique offerings actually within the four walls of the gym. Things like that are hugely important and not not just from a, a, a revenue perspective but people who are engaging classes personal training they stick around longer. Right. And and it kind of goes back to community. These things, the boot camps, the gold fit, even with the personal trainer or group X class, going back to relationships, you form a relationship not just with your instructor, but also with other people in in the gym. Right. And when you have that strong bond, that strong community, again, that's something that if a place up a place up is up next door for ten bucks a month, less down the street, you're not going to quit because you're not you won't quit a community. You know, the ancillary products, that's Stuff that just allows us to as we start to get better and better at customizing the journey having stuff on hand either for people just if they want it or that we can actually in the form of supplements things like that recommend things that actually make sense based on what what they're trying to do so and a lot of that is done now um, we're able to do that through automation so through our POS system we can see what they like what they've been purchasing surface uh, ads uh, in our app, or deals in the app that are relevant to them. So again, it's just continuously trying to get better at, at creating connections and speaking their language.
0: You hit on exactly kind of what I was hoping we were going with that because I look at all those services giving you the data to be able to serve and to be able to continue to market downstream these members. Plus, it gives you the demographic information that you need to figure out to better profile who those ideal customers are within that five-mile radius. These are the guys. That this this age range or this, you know, male female demographic, they're going to spend. They're just going to be base members, but this other group, they're going to be a base member. Plus, they're going to probably have a better chance of selling
2: them this service, this service, and they're going to buy
0: these products.
2: There's no question. I, I have said, look, we're a fitness company first. A, a close second, we're a data company, and how we use that data for all the reasons that you just mentioned is hugely critical. And it's interesting because we do a lot of audience targeting and we're constantly kind of playing around with testing different CTAs, different creative. But the interesting thing is, as we were going through this brand evolution and building different audience sets, we did some lookalike modeling and we, and we still do, but lookalike modeling sometimes can be a little bit of a, a potential pitfall. It's kind of like, if you're trying to expand the brand and get people who maybe weren't in your consideration set, but you're trying to go after those people with attributes of your existing customers, are you gonna get more of the same or will the creative resonate? And actually, in one of our tests, what we found is the new creative that we were using and targeting to a lookalike audience of our long-term members was not resonating because they had come in you know, under, again, different wants and needs, However, we had a set of creative for a lookalike audience that actually performed extremely well. It's just very interesting to your point. How do you use the data? How do you test quickly in a way that you can learn, fail, learn, succeed uh, in real time? And, you know, we kind of have a 70-20-10 rule here, which is 70% of our efforts go towards stuff that's tried and true. We know it's going to make the door swing or or work. 20% we feel pretty good about. Then 10% it could fail spectacularly or it could do great. But you know, in this day and age, as you guys know, you gotta move quick and be able to, to uh, not be afraid to fail.
1: On that uh, little bit of a segue, I'm gonna kind of fall into that 20 to 10% uh, question here uh, only because you seated us a little bit. You guys are about to try something uh, pretty innovative for the industry, industry first, if you will. So why don't you tell the audience what that is, because as we, as we approach uh, the holidays and uh, every, apparently there's like 20 Black Fridays now before the end of the year, <laughs> and there's not even 20 Fridays left, but tell us what you guys are doing. Started, Black Friday started
2: in Easter, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so. But why don't you tell the audience what you guys are about to do?
2: Starting on Black Friday, we will become uh, the first brick and mortar gym chain to sell a membership to our physical locations on Amazon. So we've been working uh, in partnership with Amazon for a few months now. Uh, look, it's never been done in the industry. There is so much that we're gonna learn from it. Uh, we'll be initially in four test markets, uh, Southern California, Houston, Austin, and Seattle. And the idea is that we have to meet, you guys, I mean consumer habits are changing so rapidly. and We have to evolve, as I mentioned before, and we've got to meet consumers where they're shopping, how they're shopping, when they're shopping. And that means outside of the four walls. I mean, it's look, it's an intimidating thing to come into a gym, any gym, and maybe even a little bit more so in in, for Gold's gym. And Amazon is a fantastic platform. And how can we give people the, the ability to easily join, come in, get a red carpet experience who might not have otherwise been in our consideration set. Uh, Amazon's been a great partner to collaborate with. We're actually also putting in Amazon lockers in uh, several of our locations to test that. So part of that is a convenience factor for existing members. So I think, you know, we've all live in residential areas, have seen kind of porch pirates where your packages get stolen. Now if you're on your way to the gym, get it shipped there, you can pick it up. But also we can start doing interesting things like subscriptions, supplement subscriptions that are sent to your locker. You're able to pick it up on a monthly basis. And then also, potentially as a traffic driver, we'll see. You you won't need to be a member to use these lockers at Gold's Gym. Uh, And we're able to, when you get your confirmation receipt, put uh, an offer for uh, non-members for a trial pass and for existing members to bring a buddy. So it's really interesting stuff. Look, we we hope this winds up falling in the 70%. It's definitely a 10% right now, but this is the kind of stuff that gets you excited.
0: I think it's a really cool opportunity. Uh, Where were some of the challenges when y'all are putting that deal together that you didn't expect like oh wow it didn't occur to me this could be a problem or wow that's a unbelievable opportunity that we didn't even think
2: about it's going to be a benefit of it you know there's been there's there's been a ton and what's been interesting is understanding the world of amazon a little bit more work with them they've been a great partner but also understanding look what some of their limitations are what some of ours are and also what a phase one will look like versus a phase two. I think on our side, it's been a lot of building the case for why this makes sense to test for folks that might think, and and rightfully so, look, is this a potential threat? If I'm a salesperson, is this going to cannibalize my business? Is this going to change the complexion in terms of would I be able to get these members anyway without having to pay a small share to Amazon, but the reality is we're fortunate in that we have a, a, a franchise system that has been extremely excited and supportive and has really leaned into this. We know we're going to learn a lot of things. I mean, it's, it's actually uh, funny. We were talking about the goals for this and working with Amazon, they they said, look, we've never done anything like this, so it's tough to set goals. But the idea is to do it, tweak it, then roll it out uh, to the rest of our gyms and keep in Q2 but it's been it's been a really fun experience and uh look Black Friday we'll we'll see I I don't think I'll be well I will be eating leftover turkey sandwiches but I'll also be monitoring gym traffic and seeing how all that's going how are you gonna how are you gonna push that out on Friday you know it's funny we're we're, so a couple things we're actually Black Friday ironically enough is going to be somewhat a little bit of a soft launch so it'll be available in those four markets we're going to organically uh, let Amazon kind of do its thing. And obviously their um, their internal SEO, their optimization, You know, if you like this, they'll recommend products for you. There's gonna be a lot of that that will optimize over the first few weeks. It all comes down, one of the most important things about this, uh, this uh, partnership is, it's all about the customer experience. So we need to make sure that from the time they purchase the membership to the time they come in, They go back and leave a five-star review on amazon because again going back to reviews not on amazon or on amazon if you're buying a product on amazon look you won't even consider it if it's below four or three stars also amazon will start to suppress it if it falls below a certain level of stars and really that just comes down to making sure we're consistent we deliver an outstanding experience and then we we do uh have some paid media that we'll be putting behind this a little bit later on as we get closer to the new year within the Amazon platform so that should be pretty interesting as well,
0: well I think it's I can't I, I really look forward to seeing how that works out and I just think also too the the power of what you're gonna be able to learn in those markets yeah uh, is gonna be pretty neat you can be able to really profile and I like the, the the ability for you to be able to also start serving and delivering product to them to pick up at the gym because it gets them back into the
2: door Yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking at a lot of really cool things. I mean, you know, one of, one of the big things is in addition to the membership side, we, the next phase for us, and it's something we've been working hard on is with our existing members who belong to gyms, we need to be able to connect within the 23 hours that they're not of the day they're not in the gym, right? And and how do we do that in a meaningful way? But also we're fortunate that we have kind of a global brand that has recognition, even in places that we don't have a physical footprint. So how do we now expand outside the four walls to be able to deliver product services, virtual memberships, things like that to people who live in Alaska, again, where I'm nothing against Alaska, I won't move there, but I do want to go there on a cruise one day. I heard it's amazing. But how do we sell, um, get product there? How do we look at reoccurring revenue streams outside the four walls? We launched um, a digital coaching app, Gold's Amp, a few years ago, which has allowed us to kind of package up our 53 years of expertise, at that point 53, now 55 and sell to both members and non-members. So that's kind of, I think, where a lot of the interesting innovation is happening right now.
1: I have one kind of final kind of umbrella top line question, and and honestly, Uh this might have been, and you've been there, what, 13 years or so now?
2: So um, with the brand, 17, dating for three, married for 14. So the, the, the
1: last question I have is, I've been to the one in Venice, and then I've been to the one here in Knoxville. But the Gold's brand for 55 years kind of started out as a bodybuilder brand. And obviously yeah. the fitness world has changed dramatically. You talk about people getting ready for a 5K or just getting you know, healthier after, after the uh, holidays. How has that evolution of the brand changed? Because even your logo is still a bodybuilder holding a you know, couple hundred pounds. So how has that evolution changed to be a little bit more let's call it a mainstream, healthy lifestyle place to come and, and work out?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. And it's funny. It's, it's been the eternal evolution question long before I was with the brand. It will probably, you know, be the same question kind of long after it. On the one hand, we have 96% aided brand awareness around the world, which you'd say, Oh, okay. That's amazing. To your point, what comes with that sometimes a little bit of baggage in terms of some preconceived notions of, gosh, is that place a little bit too intimidating? Is that place a little bit more for serious fitness or bodybuilders? And it's interesting that you referenced uh, the Mecca, Golsh, Venice. That is a, man, that is a whole place in and of itself. And that, that is a very special sacred place, which is, I, I always say, if it wouldn't make me so nervous, it would probably be a top 10 reality TV show to just put a camera in there all day long. But the reality is, look, with the rest of our gyms that offer the latest in amenities and services and the gyms that um, now have boutique offerings, How do you expand consideration? And so one of the things that we did very early on was look at how can we authentically evolve? Because it's a careful tightrope to walk, right? If you're all things to all people, you're nothing to nobody. And we do have this passionate fan base, this rabid fan base that got us to the dance. But how do we expand? And we started to kind of move away from a demographic and really started to focus on a psychographic, right? And what does that What does that mean and what's core to the DNA of Gold's Gym? And one of the things we we kind of landed on was this notion of strength. What are we known for? Strength. How could we flip that on its head and redefine strength? And so not just physical strength, but the strength to be a better parent, the strength to get through tough times, the strength to persevere, and that you can be 300 pounds and overweight and on diabetes medication and come in and be a badass and be strong because you're showing up every day, you know, strength kind of comes in many forms and that's really kind of been the backbone of, of our DNA, of our new campaign, of our brand evolution. And now really the, the charge has been to show people that all the ways that they can be strong and you don't have to be a bodybuilder, but you know, with the logo that, that is, one thing we're very fortunate because of course there's always a talk about changing the, the logo and the logos evolved a little bit over the years but it's amazing when you have something that that resonates and means so much overseas it's something sacred that's kind of bigger than all of us and while you freshen up a little bit what we find is it's not so much the the logo almost becomes a badge of honor once folks are are in Um, It's not necessarily a detractor. We just have to make the experience and show them how we can meet their goals no matter what stage they're at. It's the
0: experience, it's the brand, it's what they associate that feeling with that matters the
2: most. And I'll I'll tell you a quick funny story. I I know we're we're coming to time, but real quick, this will show you the power of the logo and the brand. I mentioned Afghanistan. So when we went in to Afghanistan in 2003, overthrew the Taliban, our, our troops were in there and they were in, in Kabul and they uncovered a gold gym in Kabul. And so I remember at the time I got a call I was living in LA, I got a call from a, a New York Times reporter saying, gosh, that's amazing. You guys have a gym in Kabul. And I said, that is amazing. We have a gym in Kabul. And she said, I'm guessing that you guys don't it's not an official gym. I said, yeah, we don't have field reps in that part of the world yet. But what had happened is there was a group under the Taliban working out fitness. Bodybuilding was forbidden. It was seen as, as vanity, but there were guys that had fallen in love with the brand through magazines, through the men's fitnesses. And that logo meant something to them. And they literally made equipment out of scrap metal uh, and had an underground gym and uh, had the logo hanging proudly over there. So, that's one of those things that you you, you just think uh, you, it reminds you how you're part of something bigger and how sacred that that logo is. That's an awesome story. Think about it. Pretty that. crazy.
0: So we're now kind of getting to the end. So before we do that, I got four questions through our speed round. Hey. I want to knock out with you. You ready? Let's do it. Free weights or machines?
2: Free weights all day long.
1: John. Both, actually.
2: Oh, is that an option? I, I, freesty- mean, I'll take both. I freestyle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, if, if I, if I have to choose one free width, but listen, I'm, I'll, i if I can, I'll take A and B. I I
1: always, I always take the stance of, uh, I always love seeing really big guys in the gym and I get on the dip bar or pull-ups, um, because I, I, I played, I played DB, so, uh, I'm lean. So, you know, the guys are always amazed we can whip out 20, uh, 20 pull-ups and not even think
2: about it. <laughs> uh, that is awesome. And I, I will tell you this, my days of, of lifting heavy are long gone. Oh, yeah. Um, you'll Say, see Dave, me in there with maybe 20-pound dumbbells, maybe some 10-pound dumbbells. Uh, I, I'm in there for the uh, the, the, the cardio and uh, and trying to get rid of this dad bod.
0: <laughs> you look like a free weight guy, Dave. You look like you could throw up some weight. So. Back in the heyday, maybe. Next one, tightrope walk over the Grand Canyon or climb to the very top of the Burj Khalifa in Dubai to change the light bulb.
2: I'm gonna say the Grand Canyon only because I feel like um, A, it's absolutely gorgeous. I feel like it's like the ultimate sobriety test. You know, if you had a kind of tightrope out there and I'd do really well. And for some reason of the two, I feel like I might be able to make that happen. Or at least get close enough where it'd be really compelling, and they would say, "Gosh, Dave, almost made it." You know, he was really close.
0: (laughs) The the fall wouldn't be quite as far because it
2: would be like Uh, oh, the fall would be spectacular. I mean, it would be like you know, maybe the judge from France would give me a lower score, but I feel like I do go the fall. (laughs) What about you, John?
1: I'm going to go Grand Canyon. I'm an outdoors guy at heart, so I'm as well. Uh, That I would not
0: want to be at the very top of that big ass building. Um, Favorite dessert.
2: Oh man, I gotta pick one, huh? I'm gonna go with. It's gotta be a double chocolate cake. All right, so double chocolate with with a scoop of ice cream on the top, maybe a little bit caramel over over the edge. So, I'll do that. I will say my my wife and I are celebrating our. We had a daughter. She just turned one. While she was pregnant, she would have really interesting cravings, and it would be a coconut cake or something. And I would run out. I would get any form of dessert what i could tell you is i'm clearly equal opportunity when it comes to dessert because she'd have a few bites it would stay in the fridge and out i'd come at two o'clock in the morning i'd say oh i'm gonna round out that corner of the cake and so really i'm still i, I feel like I'm, I'm actually still in the second trimester right now it's
0: easy to do that
2: i mean yeah yeah
0: i had sympathy pains as well uh john how about you what's your favorite dessert
1: you know I, I i don't think you guys have earth fair in in texas but uh there's a grocery chain called earth fair so i'm gonna go with a keto version and, and dave you would like it it's a uh, flourless chocolate cake that you would never know that it doesn't have flour in it
2: now we're talking
0: how much like i'm a chocolate chip cookie guy just give me a fresh big <laughs> chocolate chip cookie nobody can say no to that
2: um, and you know what and, and much as I love how much progress they've made on like the protein cookie side it's just not the same yet
0: just give it me give me all the good stuff I don't want a healthy cookie I want to just Mm. so yep and now uh, Dave this one is just for you Uh, what's the one piece of advice you wish you
2: were given when you were just starting out your career oh um don't be afraid to fail and I think uh, look over time you, you you learn the balance of, of doing things that are trying and true, but also how, when and when not to play it safe. And sometimes you have to swing for the fences. And also I think my younger self, I would also say, no matter what the room is, don't be afraid to speak up and share ideas. And, and I say that because when we collaborate, look, I'm fortunate to work with a really, really amazing team here. And the best ideas come from all over the place. And I think sometimes, you know, junior people might, think, gosh, I, I, I have a good idea in my head, but I'm not I'm not really sure. And that's sometimes where the best ideas are coming from, are from some of our most junior folks who are close to the product. I always say like, we need to be customers. We always need to be our, our, our own customers. Shop our experience, submit a lead, go shop a gym. And the team does a really good job of doing that. And it's amazing what they come back with. So not being afraid to fail. And then again, it, to, to, to my junior self, Hey, it's okay. There's, there are no bad ideas, you know, ne- never be afraid to share them.
0: Yeah, and you're truly living that because of what you are doing out there, push the envelope with the Amazon partnership. Hey, test it. Is this gonna is going to work. It's going to be the 70, 20 or the 10. I have a feeling it's going to be a 70, but you never know until you
1: try it.
2: Absolutely.
0: John, anything else you had before we
2: say goodbye?
1: No, it was great. I appreciate uh, the conversation, the insight.
2: Yeah, no, no doubt. And John, at some point we got to connect. I feel like you've got probably good old fitness industry war stories man like i mean, we're probably, probably know a lot of the same people
1: we probably do we probably do that's awesome
0: so we will make sure that we get this put together for you we're going to get all your links into the end of the podcast notes and uh that's the end of the show so dave thanks again for being on the Y marketing podcast it's been a, a real pleasure
2: guys thanks so much for
0: having me thanks for tuning into the Y marketing podcast Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts, and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Until the next time.